Well, good morning. We are so excited that you're with us this morning. We're starting our brand new series. God is able to do more. Tell your neighbor more. God can do more. Tell your other neighbor, you don't even know how much he can do. And do it just like that, like crazy, yelling, like you're just awake right now. Um, man, I feel like I feel like I need y'all to talk to me. It's a little serious. So Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Ephesians chapter 3. Really excited about this series. It's one of my favorite verses of all time. I, I love this verse, and today we're going to take this verse. We're going to look at this verse, and it's going to be our thesis for all the whole series, the entire series. And, and how many of you know, like, Life is pretty intuitive. Have you, have you realized that? Like, life is pretty intuitive, uh, especially if you grow up in, in this society for any amount of time. When, when the light turns green, you know it's time to go, right? So we, uh, three of y'all are intuitive. And, and when the light is red, it's time to stop, right? Life is just intuitive. And, and yet on labels of products and items, they, they put things out there that, that feel like no-brainers, like, oh, yeah, that's right. But it doesn't, you wonder why they do that, but yet they still do it. For instance, like on a can of spray paint, they'll put on the warning label, do not spray in your face. Do, n- do not spray in your face. Well, obviously, uh, on a toaster, they'll do this. Don't use underwater. Don't use underwater. How many of you try to use a toaster underwater? You just like the soggy toast taste, you know? It's just, um, uh, on a bag of peanuts, you'll often see this warning label. Warning contains nuts. On the American Airlines pack of peanuts, it says, open packet, eat nuts. So, so in case you're wondering how you do that, open the packet, eat the nuts. Uh, on, on a mattress company, they put this, a warning do not attempt to swallow. Do not attempt to swallow. <laughs> I don't know why you would. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, how about this one? How about this one? Um, you know, when my wife, you know, runs out of her, can't find her blow dryer when we're on trips and stuff. She's like, babe, where's the blow dryer? And I said, I don't know, but I have a torch. You should try it. And, and apparently somebody's tried that because on the warning label of a blow torch, it says not used for drying hair. So I don't know how that came about, but um, these come from, from lawsuits and so many other things. On an iron, it says, do not iron clothes on body. How many of you want to confess you tried that before? Man, I always do this wrinkle right here where the crease is, you know, depending on how much I've been eating. The last several months, I get, come on, straighten that out right there. Or, or maybe this one, this last one. Uh, on a Superman costume, it says, wearing this garment does not enable you to fly. <laughs> so uh, apparently, we, we, you know, something that seems like a no-brainer, something that is like that, we've been using for the wrong premise or the wrong idea. And I think that's somewhat of life, right, where, where God has clearly laid out some, some instructions for us, and, and yet we haven't been applying those stru- instructions. We, we don't believe it. We've been trying to work it in our own way. And so Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Let me read it again because I love this. Y'all can read it with me. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. We've never done that before. Let's try it again. Let's try to read it again, okay? 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I almost feel like you're starting to believe that. You got a little louder. Uh, we'll, we'll try it again at the end of service. Maybe if you wake up a little bit after you nudge your neighbor a couple of times. Far more. This whole idea that he can do far more than you can ask or think. I want to let you know, if, you, if you're my friend in here, and if you're in here, you're probably my friend because, you know, we, we're not that large. Thank you. And, and we talk quite a bit. And so, so I, w- I want to let you know this is if, if you've been around me any amount of time, you know that I'm a very verbal uh, processor. I, I verbally process. I, they call that extrovert, right? Like, so I think out loud. I just constantly think out loud. But as much as I talk, I think a lot more. And that's scary. That's really scary for some of you guys. Like, wow, you think more than you talk. That, man, you, that's crazy in there. And yet, and yet God can do more than I can think or ask. God can do exceedingly abundantly far more than I could think or ask. And this is the power that has worked within us, this kingdom power. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you that, that this series is really, if you, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, this series will be one of those of how we view life and view the scriptures. But if you are a Christian and you are a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you that, that you have access to a power that can do more than you could think or ask. And it is at work within you. And this, the access to more abundantly is not our mind or our speech, but it's the kingdom within. It's what God has done inside of us. And this is a paradoxical truth, isn't it? That's a paradox. Like, he can do more than I think and ask. How can he even do that? Like, he can't even do that. That's a, that's a weird paradox. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to talk about a lot of strange paradoxes today. Paradoxes that are in the Bible. And what is a paradoxical truth? A paradoxical, a paradox is a statement that despite apparently sound reasoning, from true premises, leads to an apparently self-contradictory or logically unacceptable conclusion. And so this paradox flips everything on its head. Now, when I was young, I I quit my internet networking job. I I had this sweet gig. I I was learning to network. It was, you know, early 2000s when when technology was emerging at a greater rate. And, man, it was very promising. But I decided to deuce out on that job. And become the janitor of our church, Mid-Cities Church. I said, there's really no greater place to be than in God's house. I wanted to clean the seats and do all this stuff. And I wanted to clean the toilets. I, I used to tell everybody, man, I wanted people, when they walked into the bathroom, that the men would see the urinal and go, man, I got to give my life to Jesus. This is the cleanest thing I've ever seen. I believe that. I hope that. I wanted people to come know Jesus just by, just by the excellence of the facility and what it looked like. And it was really on my heart, but I was a young buck. And when you're a young buck, you think you can do great and mighty things. I would lift things. I would throw things around. I felt so strong. I felt invincible. And there was a facility manager over me named John Miller, and he would say, Man, you're going to hurt yourself if you keep doing it like that. No, man, I'm young. He goes, you know, you need to a, a leverage, leverage what you have. Use your legs, lift with your legs, and you're going to find a leverage that you haven't had before. If you're moving an item, you know, instead of trying to push it and roll it with your, the leverage of your spine, grab a two-by-four and, and just pull, push down on it and watch that thing move. You know, he, he talked about leverage like it blew my mind. And he would say this. Work 
smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. You heard that before, right? Uh, work smarter, not harder. And yet, when you're young, all you do is work harder. You feel like they don't know what they're talking about. And it, it feels a lot like these paradoxes that we're about to move into is it, like, I don't know if Jesus really knows what he's talking about. You ever said that before? You know, he said something, you're like, I just, oh man, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But, but the truth is, is as we look at some of these principles, we, we see that, that, that it, it is wise of us to, to work smarter and not harder. Or, or this, the, the power of the work that is in us, the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to leverage life through his gifts and revealing, and revealing his principles. And so, so the leverage in life happens through this, through the Holy Spirit's gifts and also the principles found in his word that he's written. If you want to leverage life, if you, if you want to get ahead and not behind, if you want to do that, then, then start accessing the work that's inside of you. Start accessing these principles. And I'm going to tell you that these principles are very true. And today we're going to talk about a principle. Brandy on Mother's Day is going to preach and talk about a principle. And we're going to talk about principles over the next several weeks of what God has said in his word. The first principle is this. You, God can do more with your 90 than you can with your 100. God can do more with your 90 than you can your 100. Oh, what do I mean there? That, that God, if you tithe, God can actually do more with your finances than you can with you and your finances. And where do I grab this from? Malachi chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I am the Lord. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere man, mere mortal, rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you were robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Oh, what you keep is all you have, but what you give to God multiplies. I want to tell you that right now. What you, what you keep is, is all you have, but what you give to God actually multiplies. And, and we see this throughout Scripture. We see this throughout, um, throughout the text. So in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That, that, that God is going to absolutely increase you and increase the, the, the amount that God has given you and blessed you with. He's going to increase it as you give to him, as you trust him with that. Now, that's a paradox, isn't it? I mean, if I were to give God 10 and keep 90, that's less. That's less. That doesn't make sense. I, I, it's actually really confusing. I'll never forget reference soccer. I was 12 years old. I was really excited about the, the 6U and the 8U, and I was going to go out there, and I was going to rep them, and, and it was my first job. I was 12 years old, and I remember getting paid 
to do something that I love. And you get paid to do something you love? Uh, like five hands. <laughs> so I was so excited about this. And man, I remember my first paycheck. And I grew up in a church where it says, you know, you need a tithe. You, need, you should give God, you know, the first fruits. And I go, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. When I made $50, giving $5 seemed like a lot, but I was excited. I mean, I went, if it weren't for God, I wouldn't even have this job. And so I gave him that $5, but I'll never forget going to Kmart back, back in the day, right? Kmart and looking at the Lego sets. I was 12 years old playing Legos, so there's something wrong with me. And, and I, was, I was playing Legos, and, and, and I was looking at the Lego sets, and I saw the one where I could afford with the 100, but I couldn't afford with the 90. I was like, man, God, if I didn't give to you, you know, I could have that Lego set. And I just, I, I started thinking, like, logically, right? Because that's what you do anytime you hear a paradox. You think logically, that doesn't make sense. And yet, I, I stood on his word. I stood on his principle. I kept tithing, kept tithing. And, and as I got increase and increase and increase and increase, I kept tithing. I kept giving 10%. And guess what? When you make a lot more money, it's a harder to write that check. How I many you know that's true? That check a lot bigger than five dollars, man. Like I mean, it's it's growing quite a bit. And so this is this is just the principle that that I was trusting God with. And and I read Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. That's fascinating. I'd read Proverbs like this, and these are paradoxes. You get richer if you give. You get poorer, poorer if you keep. I think I'm going to give, you know? Like, <laughs> that's how I thought. But, but, you know, some of you are not convinced of God's word, even though you're in church. So I wanted to bring up a, a, a secular study, the paradox of generosity. It's written by two sociologists from the University of Notre Dame, and and the subtitle of this book is called Giving We Receive, Grasping We Lose. So I want to see what some sociolo sociologists say about giving and, and whether it lines up with the Bible or not. And I want to read this for you, this blog of this. Of this. Basically, we don't have to read the book because he sums it all up. How many of you? I just saved you a book. Go ahead and cross it off. A book, a book a month is crossed off right now. Let's read it together. It, it, or I'll read it to you and you can follow along. That, that seems to work better in this setting. It might seem obvious that generously giving money away involves a loss of the money itself. Of course, and of the goods, experiences, or savings the money might have provided the giver had it not been given away. The giver loses not only the forfeited resources directly transferred, but also the opportunity costs of other goods to which the money, time, energy, attention, and emotions might have been devoted for themselves. Not so. Not at all. The reality of generosity is instead actually paradoxical generosity. Does not usually work in simple zero-sum win-loss ways. The results of generosity are often instead an unexpected counterintuitive win-win rather than generosity producing net losses in general the more generously people give of themselves the more of many goods they receive in turn sometimes they receive more of the same kind of thing that they gave money time attention and so forth 
But more often and importantly, generous people tend to receive back goods that are even more valuable than those they gave. Happiness, health, a sense of purpose in life, and personal growth. From this research, they discovered, in general, the more generous Americans are, the more likely they are to be happy, and the less generous, the less happy. Americans who give away 10% of their income are healthier than those who do not. Relationally generous people are clearly healthier than the ungenerous. Giving money, volunteering, being relationally generous, being a generous neighbor and friend, and personally valuing the importance of being a generous person are all significantly positive. Correlated with greater personal happiness, physical health, a stronger sense of purpose in life, avoidance of symptoms of depression, a greater intense interest in personal growth, even with all the authors found. According to data collected by the Science of Generosity survey, about 3%, 2.7% of adult Americans give away 10% or more of their income. Some readers might assume that the percent of income that Americans give rises gradually with increases in their actual income. It stands to reason that the more money people make, the greater the percentage of it they should be able to give away without cutting too much into their own basic needs and wants. But this is not the case. Making more money in America is not associated with giving money more generously. Then there's this. In short, a quite small group of Americans gives away the vast majority of the money that is donated to voluntary financial giving in the U.S. Stated differently, while some Americans seem to be quite generous with their financial resources, the vast majority contribute very, very little to overall giving that takes place in the U.S., in the top 10% of most generous Americans were to stop giving money if the entire sector of society and the economy based on voluntary financial giving would simply collapse. In other words, there is a huge amount of room for growth and financial generosity for many Americans. To hear it from two sociologists and see statistical data that backs up what the Bible has been saying was shocking. A final statement from the book. Only a minority of Americans are living clearly generous lives. However you measure it. Here's the real paradox. Sadly, only a minority of Christians are living clearly generous lives. No matter how you measure it. Yet Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the bottom line is, where is your heart? And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundred and will inherit eternal life. Apparently, God knows what he's saying, right? That was a lot of blog. I just saved you a blog. I saved you a book. I saved you a blog. I'm saving you so much for you coming today. Already the generosity is flowing out to you. Just receive it. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. So here's the thing. We talked about the, the, the principle of sowing and re reaping. The principle of, of giving your first. So, so you reap what you sow. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man 
reaps what he sows. If you sow an apple seed, you get what? A tree, an apple tree, right? You sow an orange seed, you get an orange, right? We know this. You, you sow into things, you get the product of whatever that seed was. So if you sow into God's kingdom and the tithe, you are going to get fruit of that. You reap more than you sow. This is what Matthew was talking about. You reap more than you sow. So Matthew was talking about this, that, that you're going to reap more abundantly. I mean, it's going to be everlasting treasure. There's going to be so much coming your way. It, it's unbelievable. And some of you are like, man, I just don't believe that. I just don't know about that paradox. That is, I just don't know if that's true. Well, here's the thing is, it's hard to get our heart around giving, isn't it? He found that to be true. Like, it's hard to get my heart around some of these principles of God's economy and God's ways and how he set it up. I just, man, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant a little bit. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, when I was, when I was 12 years old and with that soccer, that soccer check, I was generous. And I, was, I was a cheerful giver. The Bible says a hysterical giver. How, you know, you just laughing your money all the way to the offering plate, right? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, there goes my lunch. So, so I mean, I, but he loves this cheerful giving. And nothing, nothing has, has frightened me more than being, being put in a position to give under compulsion. That's why we already took the offering. We already did it, so it doesn't even matter anymore. But I, I just, I just, I don't like the compulsion. Like, I remember going to church and the offering bucket would come by me. And I'm the pastor at the church and everybody's looking at me. He going to do it? He going to put in? I'm like, bro, I already gave online, man. Push pay. Luminous 77977, I already did it, you know? And I just feel judged. Y'all ever feel judged at church, the offering plate passes, you don't have cash, special speaker comes in, he does great, he ministers to your heart, he's amazing, but you have no money, and they're passing the offering bucket to, you know, bless him, and you're like, dude, I got no cash, man. Baby, you got anything in there? Oh, I got his coins. Just put it in there and make it loud. Make it sound loud, you know? <laughs> I just... I, I didn't like that. I didn't want to put the pressure on people because the truth is, it's a heart thing. Truth is, it's a heart thing. It's why we put boxes in the back. It's why we give you the opportunity every week to give and we talk about it, but we leave it up to you. The onus is on you whether you're going to do it or not, whether you want to, whether you want to operate in this principle or not. It's the same with Julia as she's up here leading worship for us and, and she maybe encourage you every once in a while. If you feel comfortable, raise your hands, you know, sing out, follow along with us. But I want to tell you, your response in worship is on you. It's your heart. What's coming out of your heart and how do you feel like that should be manifested according to what God says in his scripture? How, how should that be displayed out of your life and the overflow of your life? Should it be external or only internal? I don't know. You have to wrestle with that principle. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about giving. It's up to you. It's your heart. It is your heart. And I'm going to tell you that, that, that this is why we have set it up this way. Because we believe. We believe. 
that God is going to honor it and use it and multiply it because the truth is you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 10. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. As you give, God keeps pouring out. As you give, God keeps pouring you out. What if you had access to an employer who had unlimited funds? Unlimited funds, he could write unlimited checks for you. You're like, where is that? I want to sign up. I want to sign up. That's how God is. He has an unlimited bank account. He has unlimited resources. And he's able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And you can't outgive him no matter what. And guess what? It feels good to give, doesn't it? Feels good. I mean, I mean, have you ever heard of 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 somebody who didn't wasn't excited about giving? You know, I mean, I mean, you, you see somebody poor, you're like, oh man, I just uh, I don't think I'm gonna feel good if I give to them, right? You know, you see somebody uh, down and out, oh, I just don't know, you know. I don't know if that's really gonna, you know, be good. You guess what? Anytime you give, usually your emotions line up with it. You start feeling good. You it makes you feel good, doesn't it? And like you want to tell somebody, it's like, babe, guess what I did today? It's awesome. You're ecstatic. It's exciting. It's exciting to give. It's excited to do this. And it's exciting how God has used your giving. He's used your giving. People will thank God because of what you give. In 2 Corinthians 9-11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you realize as you give, People are giving thanks to God. I, I want to tell you, Luminous, it's amazing. Because of your generosity, because of your giving, we're planting a church in San Luis Potosi. It's going to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This year, we're planting a church in Lubbock, Texas, that we've been praying and believing for. Because of your giving, we're planting a church that college students have been praying for, believing God was going to come and send a church. That your generosity, people are thanking God for your generosity. Isn't that amazing that you could spark praise in somebody by the way that you give, the way that you've given to people? Next year, every nation, our network of churches will gather around the world or gather in one place around the world. We'll gather in Orlando, Florida. We'll do a world conference next year, and it's our churches, thousands of churches from all over the globe. And we'll gather there, and we'll worship God, and we'll give praise to God. But, but, but there's third world countries who can't afford to come to Orlando. Orlando's expensive, right? But I'm going to tell you, it's expensive anywhere you go when you're in a third world country. A flight costs money. So what we have decided to do is we decided to serve the world. So we're taking up offerings. We'll be taking up offerings to bring missionaries who couldn't afford to come over here to be encouraged by a conference and watch what God does in their life. And it's going to be incredible. North America churches, our, our 74 churches have pledged $500,000. And we're going to bring 500 missionaries over here with $1,000 scholarships. And it's going to be incredible. And guess what? If you bring a pastor who's pastoring in the Congo right now, 
where he, his life's threatened every day. And he's able to fly to Orlando to be encouraged and see the people of God and see what God's doing around the world. And he comes, man. Guess what he's going to be doing? He's going to be praising God. Thank you for Luminous Church. Thank you that they gave their $1,000. Thank you that I'm here because of that. I'm going to just tell you this right now. Your giving matters. Your giving and your generosity and the way you do it matters. It's, it's a paradoxical truth that is hard for us to grasp. What you keep is all you have. What you give to God multiplies. God can do as exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. I think about this, I think about living my life, and when I get to the end of my life and I'm standing there, whether, whether I have the opportunity to be on a deathbed or not, I'm not sure. But if I am, I, I'll reflect on my life, and I'll reflect on obedience from a 12-year-old to a 40-year-old, and, and maybe, maybe older. I'll reflect on my life, and I'll, I'll see this, a life of no regrets. I'll see in hindsight how God did do more than I ask, think, or imagine. I'm telling you, if I were so short-minded to only see my present circumstance, I would be tapping into the, long, the wrong leverage one night. I would break. I would just break. I, I would be a broken man because my present circumstance could be a broken moment. But if I tap into what God has put into me, and I live out these principles, and I'm faithful, and I realize that his paradox is that he can do more. He can do more of what he said. And if I live that out, I'm going to look back on my life and be like, man, God, you did it. You did more. More than I could ask, think, or imagine. And here's what's great about God's principles. This paradox that we're trying to wrap our mind around still doesn't make sense to me, Pastor. I still don't get it. I'm going to tell you, God has never asked us to live a principle that he didn't live himself. I want to tell you this, that his nature births these principles. His nature births this. You see... That, that God, when he saw a broken people, a helpless people, a hopeless people, God gave first. God gave his seed, his perfect seed. And he gave it to the earth and it was incarnated in Jesus Christ. And he lived perfectly without sin, a life that you and I couldn't live because we sin every day. I fall short more times than I care to admit, but he lived so perfectly, so graciously, and yet he gave his life. And God knew, I'm going to sow this seed, but this seed is going to die. Seed is going to die, and it's going to die a gruesome death upon a cross for you and me and pay the price of our sins, and our sins will be nailed upon the cross, and I'm going to watch the seed that I sown in my first and my best. I'm going to watch it die. But every seed has to die. It has to die and be given away, and it was buried. But three days later, that seed sprouted. Three days later, that seed rose again, and Christ resurrected from the dead. And now we have the power over death. For those who are in Christ Jesus, he can do anything more 
than we can ask or think. The question is, maybe you don't want to start living a principle. But will you start believing God's best and his fruit for your life? Will you put your trust in Jesus and let him start doing a work that only he can do and wants to do in your life? Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for Luminous Church. I thank you, God, for the principle of generosity, God. I thank you for this principle that is so amazing, God. I thank you, God, that, that Lord, you can do more with our 90 than we can our 100, God. That you can do more than we can think or ask. Far more abundantly for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who place their faith in you. Jesus, I pray, God, if anybody's wrestling this morning, God, and they have not placed their faith in Jesus, I pray, Lord, today would be the day, the defining day, that they're putting their faith in that seed that has sprouted. They're not putting that faith in you, Jesus. Lord, for those who are having a hard time trusting you with finances, I pray, God, that they would live a life of no regret. Lord, we can live out these principles and receive the blessing where all blessing flows from you, Jesus. You are the author and finisher of our faith. Would you author our stories well as many days as we have here on earth. We love you in Jesus' name.